Hi guys, welcome to the fourth episode of Slashic Horror. I'm your host, Leroy Cross James, and... Hi, I'm your special guest, Adam William. Hey! Hey, Adam, how are you? Oh, good, you know, good. I'm tucked away in my winter retreat, uh, just 45 minutes outside of Edinburgh, um, mm. ready to dive in to some lost boys, some lost girls, yes. them. Honey, we're inclusive here, honey. Yeah, Absolutely. So what I want to ask you first is, um, before we get into the Lost Boys, so in terms of horror, how, when were you, when, what was the first horror film you watched and what, what age were you roughly? The first horror film I watched was probably, it was probably, this sounds so dark, it was probably Hellraiser. Oh my God. Like at a really young age, um, I had a, a childhood friend of mine and I think they got DVDs off the back of a, not DVDs, sorry, videos off the back of a lorry. And uh, they just seemed to get a job lot. And when it was a uh, winter, you know, every single uh, Saturday I'd go over and- Hellraiser, that's heavy for a first horror film. <laughs> this is what I thought. And then I was like, oh, like I didn't even know what Pandora's box was. And then, you know, that all sort of, so I already had a pretty, pretty warped view of that. So, uh, yeah, I would have to say that's, that's probably the first horror film I saw. And when was the first time you watched The Lost Boys? Do you remember that? I do. So I was about 12 and the BBC were doing something on like a Friday night. They do like a, a panel about a decade or it might have even been a year of the decade and uh zoe ball hosted and they were they were talking about this film the lost boys and um uh you know vampires and all that and uh and then they showed it and 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 i was like okay let's get into this and it was one of the greatest things i ever saw and i was like what is this film and i tried to find it and um uh as many chubby gay boys were, I didn't have many friends growing up and I used to go into town every Saturday with my pocket money and I would go to the, there was a few different ones, but there was, you know, video stores and and uh, collectors record shops that did video stores or charity shops. And I'd just go around looking and seeing if there was anything that uh, took my fancy. And then lo and behold, an original 1987 video of the Lost Boys. Um, which I had until VHS was defunct. Um, but but yeah, so and then I, I watched it pretty regularly, probably, you know, all, all the way through my life. I remember that. It, it, it was the cover where it had David on it, didn't it? And he was in like, did you have like a white face? Is that the original? That was the original VHS yeah, cover, wasn't and it? It had, the, it had the blue and the yellow. It sort yeah. of had um, uh, a vague lightning bolt. It's on a lot mm. of the merch. Mm. You know, it had the vague lightning bolt down the face and and yeah that that was it and I, I and i love i'm the same sort of person that will read the liner notes of um cds mm. and so on the back of videos i'd read like how many minutes it was and what year it was made and you know uh, the same it, within books uh you know you go to the first page and you see what edition it is and when it was first i love all those intricate little details um that's what I love about film and that's what draws me to film. So, so yeah, I saw it, it was 1987 original. 
with with me, The Lost Boys, it was one of those films, like, and I mentioned this in, in one of my episodes, it, it was always kind of present when I was a kid. Like, I, I don't have a specific memory of seeing it for the first time. I just mm. remember that it was always around and like my dad and my mom would always play the soundtrack. Like my dad was into like hair metal, like Motley Crue and stuff. So like Love that. he was, yeah. he was living for Tim Capello's, I still believe, <laughs> which I think it, it, it is the biggest tune. Yeah. Yeah. So like literally I remember being on like him doing the school run and he'd be like rocking out. So I still believe. <laughs> Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Um, I saw Motley Crue at Download in 2009. Oh, wow. How old am I? Yeah, 2009. Yeah, yeah. Saw Motley Crue and it was it was absolutely sickening. It was it was incredible. Yeah. I do love a bit of Motley Crue. I think I've I've got I've definitely got that streak from my dad when it comes to like rock music. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> with a bit of 80s hair metal not that either of us have any anymore darling you know um um, and speaking of that disastrous picture i showed you of me um i must have been i did look and i was about 19 and oh honey i mean i don't know whether uh uh lee will put it in the sort of thumbnail for 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 this podcast but um i went to an 80s party an 80s for me is is queer icons so for me it would be like marilyn uh boy george george michael um big gay heroes you know and so it's not quite um it's not quite neon spandex if it is going to be neon spandex it has to be with like a ripped metal shirt and um and so i had bleach blonde hair at the time because i was a massive 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 I see I now dub it as goth but mm. to me it was probably at the time screamo emo yeah. there were all these cultures I was just a massive goth like so I had bleach blonde hair and probably one of the many reasons why it's all gone now but and it was down to put my shoulders and then I put in tracks of the thinnest hair extensions did I cut them no did I did I Feather them, no. And and then I had that cult t-shirt that I told you. Yeah. It was from um Lanes in Brighton. And honey, I was it with about two, two studded belts, skinny black jeans, probably some creepers or something like that. Um, but but yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. It was a mood. Like I which I when you showed me, I was like, I I didn't even I, when you just put that in, in in our messages, I was just like, who's that? I was like, oh my god, it's Adam. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd just gone through a phase of shaving my eyebrows off because apparently that's what you did. Mm. And I grew them back and they weren't, they weren't, they weren't the tea. And um, uh, it's funny now because I'm a trained hair and makeup artist. That's what I do for a job. So uh, amongst a few other things, Mm. but uh, that's my main bread. So for me to look at that and be like, girl, you didn't even chop it. Come on. The thinnest, thinnest weave hair extensions. But I won't lie to you. I was feeling it. I was feeling it. Yeah, it was the OO. It was like, you know, I, I I had some questionable fashion choices back then myself, so I can completely relate. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in terms of The Lost Boys, so obviously there's so much to discuss about this film. Like, it's obviously it's iconic. 
But yeah. I think we should start. We, we've just got to start with David and Michael, I think, personally. Yeah, I think 100%. absolutely unpack, unpack that shit straight away. Um, so obviously with David and Michael, there's there's a lot of tension, a lot of male-on-male yeah. attention, the glances or what they don't say, um, the initiation. But... Do you would you regard The Lost Boys personally as a homoerotic film? Because I think it's hella homoerotic. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. I would. And um obviously I watched it when I was very young. So I don't know whether that was my first initial um, you know, I don't necessarily know if that's when I was pitching a tent for it, but I, I would say is that um my my best friend, she studied film, yeah. film and um she did film for A-Level and she was like, we're doing Lost Boys, Adam. And they're doing it, they're doing like, um, the main point is the homoerotic undertones of it. And I was like, yes, bitch, yes, that mm. is it, you know? Um, no, definitely, definitely. I mean, if you think about when they first meet, if they're going to initiate anyone into their fold, into their coven, into their inner sanctum, the whole of that boardwalk fits the demographic, the whole of the boardwalk, males in metal clothing, you know, 80s hair metal, loving life, full of life, which they obviously lack. But but he chooses Michael specifically. Mm. Why, why is that? It's because he wants a taste. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I can't see it. No, yeah, I mean, it's a bit kind of going straight to the end of the film here. Essentially, if you unpack the whole film, and we'll go into this later, mm-hmm. where obviously, spoiler alert, Max is revealed to be the big bad. He's the leader of all the vampires in um, Santa Carla. Yeah. Well, the whole point of the film is that he was after Lucy, really. So, like... It kind of takes away, takes away, the only thing I hate about the end, it kind of takes away all that tension between David and Michael because it's essentially it was just about a vampire wanting a, a slice of Lucy. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want Dan yeah. West? Um, but um, the icon, the legend, she is the mm. moment. But, um, but I do think it was sort of more, you know, a dash of gay and then we're running away. Yeah. You know, they creaked that closet open and then, oh, hell no, let's shut it. I mean, and that's what a lot of the 80s was generally. If you think culturally, um, Boy George was a gender ambiguous person mm-hmm. and um, a very androgynous person. But the minute there was any ushering about him gay, hush, 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 mm-hmm. hush, hush, hush. It's all about the music, it's about the fashion, it's not about him being gay. And so... Really, yeah, that does fit with 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 the with the time of the film. It does fit with the eighties. It fits with eighty seven, you know. So I'm I'm not surprised as yeah. such, but it's so gay. Mm-hmm. Like I just I can't I can't. Of all those people, you picked a bloke. Yeah, you know. Um, I mean, and I've got big feelings about Star, mm-hmm. but I mean, these are that's that's the thing though. It is even. Even besides being homoerotic, it's also a very homosocial film as well. Like obviously the grouping yeah. together of the yes. boys, they only have one girl, and it's like, like you say, like we'll get into Star in a minute. But with with David, um, with Michael, it just it it just feels like it's a whole, it's like a cat and mouse game of how 
far he can push him to and it, it's it's almost like it's like for the initiation scene for example michael's very persuaded very easily just to go along with it when you know he drinks the blood and stars like no don't drink it it's david's blood and he's like yeah sure whatever and then that's it that yeah he's just sloppy bottom mm. willing you know he is he is he is a passive body <laughs> man um of the two, I would definitely say. And you also know um, from, from being a gay man growing up when we mm. did, um, there's a big element of gay chicken. Yeah. There's a big, big, big element of, uh, or or some, you know, if you, you might call it queer baiting, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bit of, will they, like, will you, do you want, do you, do you want to, do you, are you kind of, mm. do you, uh, it, it's okay if you do, because then it's okay if for me. And and that I think that that's a real big undertone to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, like historically, literature with literature, films, whatever, vampires they do have that homo those homoerotic tendencies. Anyway, like even going back to Dracula, yeah, fair enough. He's in pursuit yeah. of um, Mina and Lucy, but he's only doing that so he yeah. can get to the men. It's not. It it's yeah. it's purely a like a transfusion just to get to the men. And I feel like with most yeah. vampires, that, that tends to be a thing. It is, it's kind of like, you know, it is about this this dominance over over other males. And I think that's the case here with David. Like, because Star's explanation later on, when she says, oh, you were meant, you were meant to be my first, it's just kind of like, right, but why is David so hell-bent on fucking with Michael's head then? I just don't. I... Well, but, but but then first, what? Because I mean, I, I understand kill, but honey, we ain't playing this off. It's, it's our first time mm. at the rodeo. If they're portraying this outwardly as a heterosexual film, then is she the concubine for that for that coven? That's what I mean. I, I kind of feel like going going back to Dracula a little bit. She's kind of like the Mina or the Lucy in this situation. She's just she's yeah. just there. As like a like a it, like you say like a concubine in between the two, um, which is kind of in a way it's kind of sad because I feel like it is obviously it's a very male dominated film, but I feel like none of the females are really done any justice. I mean, obviously Lucy, you know we we love Lucy, you know who doesn't? Of yeah. course we do. Of course we do. <laughs> the way that she just when she sings in the car and. Oh, you know, well, we were that age too once, except they dress better, you know, just she's got those iconic lines. But yeah, like Star, it sounds terrible to say, but Star doesn't really have much of a purpose other than that in this film. No, I think it'd be interesting to see what the actress's actual feelings are about her mm. role, um, because it just seemed almost one step above an extra. Mm. Um if the film was made now, she wouldn't be needed no. at all. No. You know, um, they could be gay. Mm. Um, but, you know, I really I really do feel as if, yeah, I mean, mm. so on the one hand, I was thinking, I was like, is she a beard? Is she a cover? Is she a cover for normality? Because um, groups of men hanging around late mm. at night who look or act undesirable draw attention to themselves whereas if there's a girl you know this from being closeted like if you had a girlfriend then it deflects the attention 
you know, oh, I'm not gay. I've got a girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, I just, yeah, I just, I, I don't feel as if she'd need it. And her only cultural impact, uh, and you know how I feel about the seventh year of a decade, but 1997, guess what comes along? Hunchback in Notre Dame. Mm. Esmeralda, star, mm. the outfits are identical. Yeah, they are. Identical. And um, and and it, I think that that's the character's legacy. That, from what I can see, that's the only thing that I've seen of cultural impact. Mm. You know, a, a white gypsy top off the shoulder with celestial jewelry, an ill-fitting dress skirt, and um, boots that are probably third or fourth hand. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely in terms of fashion. She's she's definitely um, you know her legacy has been kept on. Like when I went to. For the love of horror in 2019 when it was lost boys reunion there was loads of girls yeah. dressed up as star and they looked fantastic yeah. actually like some of them really of yeah um and that's the thing like she's i think she's very much she's a presence in the film like that's what i'm saying like yeah okay fair enough she's she's there probably as you know the the normative in between this narrative but yeah 100%. I, I found her quite endearing to watch yeah so yeah she's not it's not that she's necessarily pointless because she's not but no if if this was made now yeah i I would yeah i think she wouldn't be needed in the film but saying that i think with this with the film it like i said to you about um when we discussed it joel joel schumacher when he was brought on this film was meant to be like a bit of a like a Queen exploitation kind of film, kind of like in vain of like how Monster Squad turned out, the Goonies, the, you know, younger kids. Yeah. And he took it on and he was, he wanted it to be with teenagers because it would be more sexy. Yeah. So I, I feel like obviously as well with Joel Schumacher, I think the homoerotic aspect definitely comes from him being a, a director because this started off with allusions allusions to um Peter Pan. Like originally David was gonna yeah, be called yeah. Peter. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense that that mm. so Star is sort of filling. I wouldn't say she's the Wendy, I'd actually say she's the Tink. Mm. Yeah. If, if 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 David is Peter, then then she has to be Tinkerbell. Mm. Because she's definitely colluding amongst P- Peter Pan and the Lost Boys, David and the Lost Boys. Um, and she is she is their their guide as such, you know. Um, and obviously, it's it's so funny that there's parallels with um, with the drama with Julia Roberts, and of course, she mm. then playing Tink. I think that's all very very. Um, I, th- I, th- I just think that's that, that's a twist of fate, you know. To name an eighty song, twist of fate. Um, yeah. Apparently, Steven Spielberg nicknamed Julia Roberts Tinker Howe because of all yeah. the drama that was going on. And she was just, he was just like, oh my God, she's, but she was going for a, a, a bad time. She was, okay, so uh, I suppose you've done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in case you didn't know, guys, Julia Roberts was engaged to Kiefer Sutherland. They were set to get married. And then, so, uh, depends which report you read. Allegedly, she ran off with Jason Patrick, which is was Kiefer Sutherland's best friend. Yeah, 
I just feel like it was a little close to home. And mm. then latterly, Jason Patrick became uh, difficult. Uh, and, uh, and then his, he later got married, had a child, they split up and there was a massive, massive, massive uh, court battle for custody of said child, um, which basically wiped out his entire fortune. Mm-hmm. So um, he definitely got his comeuppance, I would say. If he's the other... If he's the other man, um, then then he definitely got his retribution. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just, and it's, like, as I've read various reports, and apparently some of it was BS. Like, oh, back then, the media could get away with a lot of shit, so like, I totally believe that. But yeah, they didn't, Kiefer and Jason didn't speak for so long. And then apparently, because um, they did a podcast together a couple of years ago, and just like we are yeah <laughs> exactly and Kiefer even said like you know looking back now he was more upset to lose his best friend than anything so when obviously that happened he was more upset he was clearly more upset about Jason than Julia yeah. which is quite maybe, sweet maybe there are some real life parallels maybe it does smell like gay maybe <laughs> it does you know maybe <laughs> not just our thoughts you know and our observations mm. Maybe it is the real team. Oh, well, a boy can dream. You know! (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, no, it's quite sweet, though. They obviously had this really big romance, and, you know, I'd be devastated if my best friend ran off with my husband, of course I would. Yeah, Um, of course. But, yeah, um, I'm glad that they're friends again now. And, yeah, obviously... Uh, like in 2019, they did that big reunion in Manchester for the Love of Horror, where a lot of them got together, yeah. except for Corey Feldman. Which I do feel like, I mean, that poor lamb, the two mm-hmm. Corey, I mean, Ugh. it's horrific. It is but horrific. Girl, let him have the the the, the opportunity. Yeah, I think I've, I definitely think he should have gone or should have been invited. We don't know, but yeah, we don't know 100. Like. But, I mean, I mean, where do you want to go with the two Corys? I don't even know where to start. I mean, it's just uh, more than anything. It's just really, it's 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 just sad because I feel like it's the the it's the result of being a child star in Hollywood during that period, yeah. and you know they they were exploited and exposed to things that they shouldn't have been, and like you know nowadays, I, I don't don't get me wrong, I I'm under no illusion it still goes on, but it's just it. <laughs> You know, back then they could get away with so much more. The producers and the big, the big shots in Hollywood, and yeah, it's just it's quite sad because when this movie was in production, like Feldman, Corey Feldman had already started to dabble, and him and Joel Schumacher had this massive argument, and apparently Joel Schumacher fired him like twice or something like that. Um, and then yeah, he got his, to be fair, apparently he got his shit together. But obviously, this yeah. is where Corey and um, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman kind of bonded over this film. Um, yeah, I mean, I've watched, <laughs> I've watched the Lifetime drama movie of the two. Yeah, I've watched that, and apparently Corey Feldman was a consultant on that. So going by that, this is where they kind of bonded, but it was also kind of their downfall as well. Yeah, it's just sad. It is really sad, and. I um I mean I loved uh Corey 
him as well. I loved him in Licence to Drive with Corey Feldman. Yeah. I loved the Lucas. He was in the film called The Lucas. And, you know, he was such a sweet kid as well. Back then, it was to do with greed. Yeah. It was to do with about how many productions they had in, in, in the pipeline mm-hmm. um, and what they were roped in for. If he wasn't roped in for anything after Lost Boys, immediately, then, or if he had had a break before is is the film beforehand, which I think was Lucas, was it Lucas then Lost Boys? Yeah, or licensed. He, he, yeah, he did Luke. He did Lucas first. I think that was one of his first films, and then he did um, yeah. a Stephen King film called Silver Bullet, where he <laughs> where he was on. He was in a wheelchair, and then his uncle turned it into like this motor wheelchair thing, which was pretty fucking cool. Uh, but then, yeah, he did Lost Boys, and then he did License to Drive. So, so that's what I mean. These things are in, in pre-production for a really long time. You're signed in for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So then if there'd maybe been a break before, would he have had the chance to get help? But then the greed from people higher up just think, well, he signed in. We need to get this done. Mm-hmm. Let him work, 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 work. And then he can have his break. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just think that uh if they'd stepped in sooner then maybe um he wouldn't have been such a show in the deleted scene of the terrible Ooh. lost boys 2 <laughs> we're going there aren't we oh we're gonna have to yeah. we're gonna have to i can't i can't not mention the shit show that was mm, it was a shit show and Speaking again of the two Corys, obviously they had that reality show, the two Corys, and I think a lot of the second mm. season was centred on them being a part of the Lost Boys. Like originally it was, I mean, I don't know how much of it was scripted for a bit of drama, but originally they were told you're not going to be part, none, either of you are not going to be part of the Lost Boys too. And then there was this big emotional scene where they were like really upset because they, they were like, yeah, we fucked up uh, back in the day, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then it happened, and then they showed some of the filming, and apparently Corey Haim had this massive meltdown on set. And the end result, when I finally saw the film, because I'd seen all of this on the two Corys, Corey Haim's literally in a post credit scene for all of, like, 30 seconds. If that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he walks along a beach, they have a very brief interaction, mm-hmm. And then they walk into darkness. So for me, I think that has to be as a touch of sensationalizing from, from the from the directors of two Corys. Yeah. But then also, um, I think that I mean, God, let let A let them have it. Let them have their poor little scene. But then also, it was the very weak tie-in to the first one. Mm-hmm. The only tangible um tangible crossover was Edgar Frog. Yeah. That was his name, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Two Frog Brothers. Alan and Edgar. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but so um don't you think though with Corey Feldman in that film, don't you think that he kind of like he, he went from like, you know, a five to like a fucking ten with the acting, overacting on that. Yeah, I do you know what I, I really think that I mean I I do think the future projection of him was spot on. Mm-hmm. That, you know that they've gone from um comic book store kids to then yeah they lived it mm-hmm. they, they they wasn't just in their head because at the start it's oh we're vampire killers in the first one you know we're vampire killers when actually they've just read an awful lot of comics and they're piecing together the missing uh missing 
child posters and stuff. So, um, you know, it goes from that to then 30 years down the line, 20, 20 years down the line, um, that one's died. That's plausible. Um, or, or has turned. He turned or he died. See, it's that bad. I've only watched it twice. Um, but and so he, and he's living in a trailer that sort of makes that that makes cinematic sense mm-hmm. to me. Um, Sam turning, I'm you know, uh, Corey Haim's character. I don't, I don't think that's as plausible. No, I mean, about I'm not being funny, but if that had happened to you, if you just moved to Santa Carla, if you were the Emersons, right. Obviously, the house has been, yeah. grandpa's house gets fucking destroyed at the end. If I was Lucy, I'd be like, right, kids, pack what you can and let's get the fuck back to Phoenix, where we came from, and just never speak to any of those people again. <laughs> Especially when, you know, at the end, grandpa says, you know, the only thing I hate about Santa Carla is all the damn vampires. I'd be like, okay, so we're just going to move from this fucking hellhole and uh, we'll just never talk yeah, about take, this again. Take your taxidermy with you. Yeah. Um, uh, for for those of you who don't know, um, the grandpa is uh, he is an well not even an amateur he he is a taxidermist mm-hmm. in his spare part time. I don't know how he afforded that lovely car on a taxidermist's wage, but say mm. Levy, um, he I mean taxidermy. What on earth? I mean, mm. uh, for, for those of you out there, please Google amateur taxidermy if you haven't already it is the most wonderful wonderful slice of joy so i just feel like um that 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 he knew and didn't say anything there's a lot of plot holes i guess i guess we should go on well there was a theory with grandpa that he was half vampire anyway but that doesn't make sense um I'm yeah. sorry, someone has a theory that the widow johnson was a vampire um and that he was just, he wasn't going to, he was only dating her to kill her. I mean, obviously this is just all like fan theory shit that I read on Reddit, but still. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, it's still cool. Yeah. Like I. Um, so there is a lot of plot holes in this film. I mean, it's amazing, oh, but there's it's, so many. So many. What's your biggest? My biggest is probably like the actual, all these missing kids that are meant to have gone missing because of the vampires and such. And, Okay, well, where the fuck are they? Like, I would assume that if the Max wanted to recruit a load of cronies, there'd be more than just five vampires. There is five, isn't there? David, Marco, uh, Paul. Paul. Oh. David, Marco, Paul, and... Where's the four? We're real big fans, guys. We're real big fans. <laughs> um, yeah, but there'll be more than that, surely. Like, to me, like, with all those missing posters, it was kind of like, if I was to watch that now, I'd think it would build up to them having, like, a shitload more, like, of a group. But apparently the original ending was that they were going to, like, they were going to emerge from the cave. So they were going to mean... His name is Dwayne. Dwayne. Listeners. Yes, Dwayne. Dwayne. I don't think his name ever gets mentioned at- is it or does it? I was actually going to say one of the names definitely is not mentioned. I think it's Dwayne. Um, yeah, I don't think he gets mentioned. Yeah, mm. I just um, 
it's yeah where where are all the kids mm -hmm. i was expecting some sort of like yeah you're right a similar to a lost boys thing mm -hmm. if they're uh similar to peter pan you know they have the hideout underneath the tree um they have the collapsed hotel mm -hmm. and yeah you're right there would be just be a room where there's all these starving kids who are you know um anemic and um you know like uh red-eyed guinea pigs and you know that that like that sort of that that sort of thing but no mm -hmm. that's a big plot hole for me the other is and it's probably down to a lot of editing mm -hmm. but the relationship between max and the boys Mm. So their only interaction before um, before the final scene mm -hmm. is they come into the co the video store uh, where Max works, a, a, a video store that apparently only operates at night. Um, I mean, I guess that's plausible. But mm. um, and then so only at night in the off season. Because I don't know about you, but uh, in the summer, the sun doesn't set till 10. So if you're by a beach in summertime, mm -hmm. then you're not actively about until 10. Maybe I'm ruining this film for us. I no, don't know. No, there we but, are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but so they have that one scene where he says, I, uh, I don't want you guys to come in here. I told you guys not to come in here. Mm -hmm. um, and then it jumps to, it, it, it jumps. To, to the final scene where um star comes out of the darkness and she's like oh i knew he told me about someone else you know um and so i think there was maybe there probably must have been a, a scene or a throwback mm. or a you know uh five years earlier or two years earlier whatever where where the the drinking of the sacred wine mm. uh happened. um but then I don't know, was there already too many homoerotic undertones for them to have uh, uh, an age gap relationship mm. put in there too? Um, you know, that's massive, uh, massive plot hole for me. Um, the point of Laddie? Yeah. I, I just I don't see. And of course, that has parallels with Interview with a Vampire, with, with uh, Kirsten yeah. Dunst, my character. So... But we get the explanation behind that in the interview. Mm. We get the explanation. You know, her mother had the plague and, you know, and they wanted to look after her and then find her mother and then she up eating her mother and, you know. Um, but you don't get the explanation about Laddie, like how he ended up. Yeah. How or what, he's just a token small person. Like, and so then what is that a nod to original Lost Boys from Peter Pan? Possibly, but. Maybe the family aspect as well, because you know that's that's the thing right at the end with Max. He says, um, you know, doesn't he say like, oh, we we can be one big happy family? So obviously he wants Lucy, but he understands. So he wants Lucy to be the Wendy. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what David was trying to do with with Star by having Laddie. So they kind of have. But then it's like, okay, well, why are you bringing your boys with you if you want this family yeah. aspect? That's what I mean. It's a bit confusing. But yeah, yeah, he is kind of like um, he just he is just the most random character. And not only that, but it's kind of like, I always wonder this when I when I whenever I finish watching the film, I'm like, does Star give Laddie back to his parents in the end, or does she just keep him? Yeah, how does that? How does that? Yeah, oh, girls getting arrested for sure. <laughs> yeah, 
he kidnapped a child. Like, how do you explain this? Oh, I just found him. How does the child then? Because you know damn well that that child isn't going to just say, oh, I don't know where I was for four months. Yeah, exactly. Months, a year, we don't know. Mm. Um, well, no, I guess it must have been pretty recent because the uh, the sticker on the milk carton mm. was fresh. That was that was on a uh, on a milk carton that they were currently using. So pre-production add on three months, something mm. like that, maybe. Um, for for the cartons themselves, mm. um, it's yeah that that to me that to me is a bit of a hole. Um, I like a lot of the foreshadowing throughout it. So there's there's two versions, and there's 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 two starts to the film. There's one where they're flying um in the darkness over the water and you just see the reflections of the water and then they get the man um the security guard and then there's the other where uh, the emersons are driving along the coastal highway and then they pass the infamous sign for santa carlo and we turn back and on the underside it's murder capital of the world anyway so there's there's two there's two um starts to that and i found that you know strangers are strange when you're a stranger um that was just sort of like a i was like oh that actually fits perfectly these people are strangers to a new area so that everyone seems strange so then are you even meant to notice anything are you just meant to normalize yourself to everything um yeah I, I don't know it, it it just seemed very odd i do know um through my personal life that um you can fit because i used to think this you know when you watch the start of a lot of films in the 80s and especially through the 90s when someone's starting anew and they put their entire life in the back of a car and you think that's not plausible yeah. that's not yeah. plausible um i actually know from 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 recent recent things in my personal life that um you can fit your entire life in the back of a car so 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 that plot hole hasn't done itself um for me and in all cinematic yeah. uh, c- cinematic worlds and universes um i can't think of any others really um i but I, I do think it's down to editing they were definitely missing yeah. a few scenes that would have some backstory and it would have explained the tie-in with max better because it doesn't make sense to me that a head vampire would uh would surpass the tests yeah and not only that but lucy says as well during, while she's cooking dinner oh max is coming at eight o'clock well it's summertime in california it would be light outside so it would be sunshine yeah <laughs> so I, I just don't I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. It's just a case of, like, like, as you say, editing, but also probably script rewrites throughout the production where they've left certain things yeah. in and then they're like, oh, we'll just change this bit because this is a bit better. But then when it all comes together, it's just inevitable with any any sort of writing or editing, I think. It just, it, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't take away from the, the whole atmosphere or the aspect of the film but as you watch it a couple of times you're like you do start to question a couple of things and think to yourself okay well is this plausible does this work yeah i think that definitely comes with like age and again watching it quite a few times um which which we both have saxman 
Oh, can we yes. please talk about Saxman? Of course we can. Uh, Tim Capello, yeah. Um, the legend that is. I mean, so uh, through through my own research and from what we've discussed, he was he was a touring saxophonist for Tina Turner, who's your husband's favorite. Yeah. If it's a teen movie directed towards a heterosexual audience, yeah. then you have you would have some I don't know. You would have something more directed towards that. Not some muscle Mary Gold's gym vest wearing, lycra spandex legging clad, glistening with sweat, beautiful flowing, um, Ariana Grande half up half down moment with a soft wave, um, which is extremely hard to do. May I add uh, for, from my professional career? Um, so I just thought mm, this is gay. Um, and um it's just very gay and i love mm. it i absolutely love it i cannot um i mean you said he was out uh, uh, for the love of horror he was and yeah I- so t- 2019 um and he performed i still believe he he was also there this year as well and he performed i still believe that too so mm. he's i think he's yeah. coming again next year i think they're just going to make him a regular thing because he's yeah. just a hit with the fans but I can honestly say seeing Tim Capello perform I Still Believe is what was one of the highlights of my life. And I, yeah. I swear to God, it was amazing. Like, it was a bit, it's weird because it's like, it was obviously this very um, upbeat, like, you know, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, yes, I can do attitude song. I was there, like, bobbing along. But I found myself getting emotional because it just took me back to, oh, obviously, as I say, this film has been in my life my whole life yeah and that song you know obviously it just it gave me a bit of an emotional reaction when i saw it for the first time but before marilyn manson was cancelled yeah um uh rightfully so um absolutely he, um he recorded quite a little sister just as yeah, a he did. one off i don't really know why and i found yeah. it and I, I definitely messaged you and i was like oh my god yeah mm-hmm. so um, and I loved it, but that fucking song, man. You know the guy, he's got a weird name. I'll find it from the soundtrack. D. Tom Mack. That, that's his uh, an acronym, yeah. Uh, that, 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 that's the shortening of his name. It, you, he sort of re-recorded it for the second mm-hmm. film. And it was just, I was like, you know, it just seemed a bit of a reach yeah but you. do you remember yeah. i think it was the earlier <laughs> there was a club version of it i think it was called that must have been it. I, I think it was called i need i think it was called i need you now and that was like it didn't say cry little sister but it was literally that hook but it was it was his song with another like dj or something they used to play it on mtv all the time oh, okay. <laughs> i'll have to find it on youtube now that i've remembered it. i can't believe i forgot about it until this point but yeah it definitely existed my what? sister used to play it all the time <laughs> that's so wild um lost in the shadows big tune big big tune I, that that's that's when they're they're having the motorcycle yes. chase up to the cliff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I thought so, and I was like, it's it's the epitome of eighties. Mm. You know, you've got those uh, that, those flowing mullety curls, um, and there's a big gay chase, and it's 
you know, it's akin to when Kevin Bacon dances in the warehouse in Footloose. Mm. You know, it's that sort of fuck yeah, very 80s fuck mm. yeah, um, which is what I love about uh, about those. Um, what else? Oh, well, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, the cover version of that. Well, I don't know if it counts as, I suppose it would count as a cover version because Elton John did it first, but I don't think it was released until yeah. after Roger Daltrey's version. But yeah, no, so the soundtrack slaps is mm. basically what, what, what we're, what we're coming to. Um, it absolutely slaps. What I can't with, I mean, we briefly discussed the sequel, but I think we need to go there really. Um, I, I cannot, okay. I cannot with the disrespect to the original film. Mm. So a brother and sister who are orphaned mm. move to this shack on a swamp or the edge of a river. It is the oddest setup, mm. the oddest setup. So yes, it has parallels with the Emersons going, going into a new town. Mm. Right. But, and I actually do think there is a, a flip sign of, um, Welcome to wherever they were, because it was not Santa Carla. Um, so, uh, and then on the other side, it does say murder capital of wherever they are. I actually do think that is a parallel. Um, and then there's some like industrial goth rave is where they all meet. I mean, I guess it's sign of the times. I guess they're trying to, you know, fit the the, the narrative of the time, but. Girl, cyber goths, really? Is that where we're going? Um, I don't understand how, I don't understand why Angus Sutherland signed on to the project. Oh, they totally, I don't understand why he did. No, what's Angus Sutherland done since? I mean, uh, um, that's your answer. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think he probably signed on thinking, oh, this will be cool. My brother did the original. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll sign on to this. And then the producers were like, great, this is going to make us loads of money. But the thing is, they released it on, I think it was Warner Premiere, which was like direct to video or uh, on demand anyway. Divide it. Yeah. Divide it. So it's kind of like, well, you surely you weren't expecting this to blow up i mean you just think there must be a huge pressure for acting dynasties mm-hmm. there must be um their their dad was massive mm-hmm. um Keith was massive and angus mm. for me for me for me i cannot with the um i can't with with the the mirror image sex scene it's a mirror image, um, even down to the four-post bed. I mean, admittedly, I believe the new one's from Ikea. Um, it, it's it's definitely got that, you know, we made it ourselves yeah. vibe. It didn't just fall from a, from a hotel in the 1920s, you know, um, which, uh, listener, that was the original. Um, but I... Um, the same fucking song. I just, I can't. I just, I, I just can't. It is frame by frame, pretty much the same. But no, yeah, like they just. <laughs> that's the thing. It was, it was. 
a carbon copy, a lot of it. It was basically like a sequel, remake, reboot sort of thing. And it didn't work at all. And it was so anticipated that when it, you know, when it did come out and it, it was revealed that it was just going to be direct DVD and stuff like that. It's kind of like, why? Why even make it then if you're going to do this? Yeah. But Joel Schumacher was trying to make The Lost Girls, um, like the sequel to The Lost Boys for ages. But Now, something similar to that has come out on Netflix with Megan Fox, Night Teeth. But yeah, so they, you know, um, that's the closest that I can feel to something that runs parallel or ginger snaps yeah those those are the only parallels i mean that's werewolves mm. but in that in that field have you even seen the lost boys 3? have you even seen the lost boys 3? Uh, no i'm not all the way through not all the way through <laughs> uh i think i watched Where the did first go with that i don't know i, I watched the first i think i watched the first 10 minutes and then the vampire i think vampires like jump from an, air, um, an airplane and then cry little sister starts to play and i was just like no i'm fucking done with this <laughs> um i mean i recently watched um i don't want to spoil it too much because um i'm sure you'll be doing an episode on it but um i recently watched the craft legacy but yeah so and, oh, I just sometimes sequels work, sometimes sequels don't, and no, in this case, it definitely didn't. I think that's that's um, why comic comic sequels are, are quite popular because it's it's not going to take away from the legacy of the film if they do another film version or because they they did um, a comic of the Lost Boys, like a, a sequel comic. Which, okay, and in it, it was about Star and her like her lost sisters. So that was this was kind of like the lost girl sort of narrative. But okay, um, I mean, I liked it. It was a bit weird. They kind of made Saxman a like a religious crusader against the vampires. He becomes one of the mains in this comic book sequel. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honey, that sounds like a reach for the stars <laughs> s club seven that does sound like a reach um i could be wrong mm. i doubt i am uh well but, when he um, dies in the comic book sorry for anyone who has who's never read this comic book by the way as uh, graphic novel sorry not comic book um before he he does die r.i.p sax man but he before he sacrifices himself he shouts i still believe <laughs> Oh please! <laughs> it's starting to sound more like fan fiction, um, and as we all know, fan fiction is is either it's either incredible or it's not what you want mm. at all. And um, I still believe that yeah. um, that some things, girl, you should have put the pen down. Yeah. Um, uh, but as uh, as uh, as a literary sort of uh, scholar, mm. should I say, about you, um, you must just look at this and just be like, no, no. Um, I mean, because there's so many unanswered things, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, avenues off for sequels and stuff. I, I wouldn't say that, that, that it was left with them mm. um, in, in the original Lost Boys film, but I, I just think... 
all of it could have been done so much better. And personally, I believe that you and I should have been consulted. I agree. Like totally. Like we would have we would have made the ultimate Lost Boys sequel. But say la vie. I just feel like with what I kind of love about this film and this horror in general, it helped me a lot growing up. And I know some people don't get it. Like some people are like, couldn't you just watch Breakfast Club and 16 Candles like everyone else? Which I did, obviously. Of course I did. I love John Hughes. Not a lot of people have watched a John Hughes movie. Uh, Not a lot of of people have. Mm. And it is a neat thing. And the trio, um, well, my trio, Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, 16 Candles, mm. uh, Molly Ringwald led their productions. Um, I don't count for keeps because I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, that's a strong yet brave opinion. Um, and uh, for me, they were everything. Yeah. But they didn't have a dash of, they didn't have the the dash of, of LGBTQIA, which right. horror especially from the 80s and early 90s does. Totally. It doesn't happen. I mean, that's that's the other thing as well, I feel like. Wait, that going again to this homosocial aspect of having a gang of boys together and, like, growing up, I, I yeah, obviously being gay alienated me from a lot. And I kind of mm. feel like that now, when especially when it comes to straight guys. I feel like some straight guys are kind of like, overly nice just just to be overly nice but it's like i'm never going to be in your club am i i'm never going to be and that's kind of how i felt growing up like with with other other guys just in general like trying to be a friend to a straight guy i i wanted to be in the the boys club as it were just to simply have a friend who was a boy and i kind of feel like with straight men i couldn't do that and it's the same now yeah it just doesn't happen so and that's kind of like why I, lo- I love this film in a way because they are flamboyant and androgynous and they all you know but yeah i don't know it just it kind of made me wish that i had like a group of friends like david and his boys oh of course mm. um, i was very lucky it was a group of i had a group of um uh three three of us uh and and we're still very very close to this day um and we were all massive goths and our own sort of we had our own niches because goths are very broad spectrum um and we had our own niches and our own likes and but but generally speaking i got an awful lot of um an 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 awful lot of my my love of horror my love of um specifically queer horror niche films and um a lot more of the if you know you knows uh from education from 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 these two friends of mine do you have questions from our listeners i do yes so uh let me just get those up i i love um Oh, honey, she's not prepared, is no, she? Oh, I see. Of course, I'm not prepared. Oh, she's not prepared. She put on the T-shirt, but she was not prepared with the questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, here I am with with uh, an A4 sheet of paper with all my notes on it. Um, but she can't even get the questions from her reader up. Well, why do I keep saying reader? See, that's showing our age. That's showing our age because because podcasts went uh, around when I was 15. Uh, even Carrie Bradshaw no. has a podcast in the new revival, Sex and the City. She, she ain't doing the column no more, I don't think. <laughs> oh, of course she uh, does. 
Well, it's not her podcast. It's Darling. actually someone else's podcast, and she's just a cast. But either way, so uh, yeah, we got. Uh... Oh, honey! Oh, honey! So I'm I'm the Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> no, you're not the Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> oh, oh honey, I'm the Carrie Bradshaw. No. <laughs> Right, darling. Okay. Let's let's hear let's hear from yes. yes. So I asked this week on Instagram, what was your favorite moment in the Lost Boys? So I've got one here from Liam. Hi Liam. He put Hi Liam. Yes, hi Liam. Uh he put you're eating maggots Michael with a devil face. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you're eating maggots. I cannot see why. Anyone cannot see the 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 phallic connotations. Mm. I don't. I don't. I don't see how you mm-hmm. can't. Uh, they even did special sleeve. Uh, Warner re-released loads of films at yes. one time. They did a sleeve, like a and it had the uh, box of takeout mm. with your worms, Michael, in in a blood font across it. They know. Yeah, totally. they know. Um, so, so Liam, to answer your question or, or your statement, uh, I will, I, I will say we know, we know what he's. And leading on to that, we've got one from Rob with two Bs. Okay, Rob, Rob two B. Oh, she's important. <laughs> he said Michael's initiation in the cave. Well, then, same sort of scenario with the the fucking wine bottle, drinking the blood. Yeah. The neck of the bottle, the way he necks it. And there's that whole amazing edited montage where Cry Little Sister plays while he's drinking this bottle. Very. And it does dribble down, doesn't it? Fabric. We've all been there. Uh, And then we've got one from Narissa from that point, point on Pike Street. She's put a lot. She's put, she's even put too many bathroom fight. Final line, Christ. Um, did you eat pizza? Bridge scene. <laughs> oh, she's put a lot. Trying to catch him, at, trying to catch Max at dinner, I assume that is. Uh, you're a vampire, Michael. Uh, my own brother, a goddamn shit sucking vampire. So, yeah, there's a lot to yeah. unpack there, but yeah, absolutely. Those are some amazing. Yeah, I was gonna say the bit, <laughs> the bit where Corey Feldman and the you know when they're driving away from the the broken down hotel and they nearly go over the cliff. The way he yeah. says "Christ" makes me laugh every time. <laughs> it's just not like Aww. a shit. It's like a Christ. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, growing pains. <laughs> um, got one. From uh, do you know what? A lot of you have said the maggot scene. Uh, Stephen said the maggot scene. Spaceman and the doll podcast said the maggot scene. A lot of you really because they know it's yeah, that. They, they, they know, know what's, what's up. up. Absolutely, they know. Um, and other than that, yeah, da- yeah, Damien Casey put my own brother a shit sucking vampire. It's such a taggable line. It's 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 so so yeah. so good. Also, seems to be a bit of a collective there. Yeah, you all absolutely. Uh, yeah, you, you can all like the same seats. Okay, that was a quick quick response. Yeah. But there we go. <laughs> what scene do you believe could have been done Ooh, better? That's a good question, actually. Hmm. I kind of feel like they could have made a bit of better impact, better impact with David's death. I kind of like how they used 
cry little sister over it the like that music but it just yeah it just kind of felt okay yeah it was very anticlimactic i definitely think i mean they, they'd already laid the groundwork that vampires die in different ways yeah so you know you do sort of because because the frog brothers reel them off of course and then as the yeah goes through they all get reeled off one by one by one mm. so so in that respect i mean yeah i, I do think there could have been a bit more fanfare mm. I, I do think you know um because that's supposedly when the shock twist is to happen that you know nothing's happened to them they're, they're still vampiric um and max comes home with lucy you know but so it should have been a bit sharper mm. um my I don't necessarily think it could have been redone, but I definitely would have wanted to see uh, a bit more backstory as to how uh, Max and the boys are connected. Mm. Because for, for me, as I said earlier, that one scene where Max tells them, I told you not to come in here, that, that, that to me isn't enough. They did um, have a deleted I... scene where they circle around Lucy in their bikes when she finishes work, but I didn't see the point yes, in that. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, to be fair, the circling, that is, yeah, very anticlimactic in itself. I didn't really feel mm. like it was going anywhere or that it was useful. No. Um, I, I really don't. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that. I mean, not only that, but God, we're going back to all points here. But again, now that you mention it with Max, if your boss only works like on late shifts where it was dark, wouldn't you be a bit concerned? Like, when are you doing payroll? Yeah. When are you doing payroll? When, when are you doing HR? When are you doing anything? When are you doing. When, you must be working. Who, like, does the, who does the delivery? Yeah. It must be working like two fucking two three hour shifts and that's it. I'd be pissed off if that was my boss. I'd be like, where the fuck is it? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, and this is what in Southern California. Mm. So the rents have always been extortionate. Mm. He has to make some money. Yeah. You know, and um, loads of the shops were boarded up along the boardwalk. You know, mm. it wasn't it wasn't the most happening place. So wouldn't you be there striving? I don't know, maybe maybe we're ruining it mm. for ourselves. Um, Maybe it's just marketing, but, but I def- market trading hour. Well, no, because Lucy's there in the daytime, so I'm assuming it's open all day. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know, the sort of not rival gang, but the other, the other uh, background characters who were sort of uh, of that age, whatever. And the people who get ripped out, the, the couple who get ripped out of their car, mm. their group previously stole from the comic book stand yes yeah like so why would you steal comic books at like when you're in your 20s like i, I just don't i don't or your late teens 20s i, don't, I just don't get it mm, that was kind of random. I, I really don't. just ran yeah really random mm. i think if one of them had tried to grab star mm. in maybe uh in, in the concert scene with with my man Tim Capello up there, uh dripping with sweat. Um then then that that would 
that would make more sense to me. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and that would make more sense as to why they got them. Um, I really like this, and it's it's a still used quite a lot. I actually had it as my Facebook cover photo. I know Facebook's now defunct, kids. Mm. Um, uh, but I had it as my Facebook cover photo with the four boys mm. on the hill if it, before they run down to eat them all. Oh. That, to me, actually... Could have been done better. Yeah, that yeah. that exact one. I'll just show you the picture of my phone to Adam. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, that scene, when Michael's obviously face down, hands in the dirt, trying desperately to cling on to his mortal coil, mm. um, when it because fl- it flashes between him struggling mm-hmm. and them eating, and him struggling, them eating, it's a little bit Jim Henson for me. Really? Rewatch it and see what you think. But for me, it it looks it looks like it, they're puppets. Hmm. It's it's where the for me where the um the prosthetics and or CGI isn't quite working in tandem. Hmm. And and it looks very Jim Henson. It looks very stop motion. Well, um, I'll have to rewatch it and have a look, actually. Because, look, well, going off point a little bit here, but apparently uh, in the original, not the original script, but one of the rewrites, maybe, um, the gang that they attack were meant to have had beef with them and they were in several scenes. That's why they attacked them, apparently. I think it's still in the novel, uh, the novelization of the book, of the film. Um, okay. Uh, they're called like the Surf Nazis or something. Um, I can't remember. I think that yeah, that actually does make sense because I think there was some quite offensive tattoos on the guy's arms. Yeah, yeah. That I think that makes that 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 probably makes um, sense there. But but for me, yeah, that one scene it's beautiful mm-hmm. when they're in the tree. It's beautiful. Uh, you know, when they come back over once they're done. Yes. And they come back over that hill and uh, they walk past Michael, who's struggling and all laughing at him and whatever. Mm. Um, that that bit's done really well. It's just the eating of said people having fun. Mm. Uh, and I think really that's the only time you see the bloodlust mm. when they're all in the trees staring at the people having fun and uh, they're, they're sort of willing themselves to stay on the tree. Um, or maybe just an anticipation of of, of a good feed, um, but they are very. I don't know. I I love that. I love that. I think it's very well done. Um, but just the actual feeding, it looks very B movie and or Jim Hensony stop motion. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Do, do you want to talk about sort of where? Where not where characters are now, but sort of the the lasting impact of the Lost Boys. Like, where has it gone? I mean, I mentioned that Esmeralda's outfit in in Hunchback is pretty much mirror image, um, and I mean, it's been copied for Halloween's, and I mean, I've done it awfully, and um, you know, the, but but I. 
there's so much to take from it and i feel as if i mean in the goth scene um there's a rockabilly band called tiger army um who i've seen with they took often tour with afi a fire inside um and mm-hmm. they uh wrote a song called santa carla twilight um uh and it's yeah it's that's lush um it's one of my favorites actually but um but i haven't seen an awful lot of like you know it in modern media you not really no it's yeah it's kind of like just not disintegrated obviously because obviously you know they the passion and the cult for the film is still alive but there's nothing but it's frozen in time as such yeah yeah which i think is why they're trying to they've been trying to do a remake of it for so long like they were going to do a cw show of it um Uh. with tyler posey from team wolf um Uh. but that that didn't happen. I know, and I mean, you know me, like in terms of like shows and stuff, I love CW shows, but for this, no, it just, that that's just not. And they're going to, it's in, apparently they're going to do a movie of it now because the CW show pilot was, didn't take off. And it's going to have Jaden Martell from, who played Bill in it. Okay. Uh, starring in it. But it'd be interesting to see what role he plays because, there's him and then there's another kid who's a little bit younger so i wonder whether they're going to try and do a michael and sam sort of thing or maybe have him as one of the frog brothers i don't know yeah but he still looks quite young i think if they were going to redo it i think it would have to be with with generation stranger things yeah i think that's how the the route they're going to go down with it to be honest by the looks of it um i don't like when they make films into shows generally i know you love like any well mostly any uh iteration of your favorites mm. but so for me for scream to be a tv mm. show it smells like riverdale you know it smells like it's going to burn out very fast you'll get your first big reveal you find out who the killer is and then you're like okay it should stop here but it won't stop and then it'll do season two and three and then it'll be in, in the ground dead um i feel like with the scream tv show i feel like if they had named that something else yeah it still would have been it, it probably still would have been successful in its own right because yeah it doesn't even use the ghost face mask anyway but i, I like the show but i kind of i take it away from the Neve Campbell films and I, I put it in a different a different box yeah like all together yeah and that's kind of how I but I got I like the tv show for what it was but as a scream tv show no I didn't know um I want to say thank you very much to Adam for joining us today and, thank um, you so much for having me no problem at all um, I'm sure I'll have you on again and um yeah so we we I unfortunately adam won't be here next week i will be back next week with another episode of slashic horror